Good morning, church. Feels very much like Star Trek, but uh, that sounded a little bit more frightening. Anyway, today we are revisiting the story of Samson and Delilah. Can, can everyone hear me? Good. I can hear myself really loud. Wow. Um, so we're revisiting the story of Samson and Delilah, uh, but before we do, and before we go any further, let's pray, particularly pray for me. I need it. Um, Dear Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your precious word. I pray that you'd open up our hearts, open up our eyes, open up our ears to your word today, Father God. I pray that you convict us where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged, encouraged, Lord. Meet us, Lord. Meet us at our point of need. We welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. Come dwell in this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the best bit. Right, so, uh, Samson and Delilah. Who here knows the story of Samson and Delilah? There's more of you than that. Anyone know a bit, anything about Samson and Delilah? Anyone want to share it? Raj? (laughs) Okay, I haven't seen the... which, Which one? There there tends to be lots of Hollywood blockbusters of of very uh, sexy women and buff men. But anyway, focus. Um, So the story of Samson and Delilah, I think we all heard those names before. I mean, they're familiar names, aren't we? And the danger of this story is that it is very familiar to us. It's, It's almost legendary. And the danger is that we do not relate it to our own lives, our own experience. Because if truth be told... I think we have so much in common with Samson. Now, let's set this in context. To to set this in context, context, you're going to have to get your Bibles out. We read from Judges 16. Let's go back to Judges 13. This this tells you about the, the birth of Samson. So the context here is that once again, the Israelites have turned their back on God and they've gone their own way. They've done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And as a consequence of that choice of theirs, God allows them to be delivered into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. But God, in his mercy, doesn't abandon them. He raises up a man who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And this man will be Samson. So we see in chapter 13 this epic encounter that his parents have with the angel of the Lord. So epic that his parents believe that they have met with God himself. And it's just my personal opinion. I do see this as, as God the Son. Um, but anyway, just my opinion. So during this encounter, the angel of the Lord declares that they will have a child who's to be called, who is to be a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was someone who was to be set apart to God. And in Samson's case, he was to be set apart to God from birth until his death. And if you want to know more about what a Nazarite is what it entailed, um, go to Numbers 6. And briefly, I'll tell you, it, it meant that they were to literally be set apart from God. And that meant they were to have no wine uh, and that no fermented drink. They weren't even to eat anything that came from the vine. They were not to go near a dead body because it made them ceremony, ceremony you know what I mean, unclean. Um, and probably the one that you remember here the most is that they were to have no razor could be used on their head. Now, the hair, the hair of Nazarite, was the, was, it was an outward symbol of their internal devotion to God, of their separation to God, that they've been consecrated, they've been separated to God to live a life for him. Now, so 
If we read on, we, we see that um, they give birth to a son. I mean, the, these, they were barren, they were sterile, they, they weren't to have children, and God does this epic thing. So he's born, he's named Samson, and he grows up in the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to stir in him. So Samson had this incredible mission, this God-given potential to make the difference. He was set apart from God. He had this supernatural strength. And we hear about it in the passage, in, in previous passages, how he, he destroyed 1,000 Israelites with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, this was a man of incredible strength. He lifted the gates of, I think it was Hebron, uh, of the enemy, which with some commentaries say would have weighed about 700 pounds. It's almost arrogance. He took them on his shoulders, took them to the hill. And the gates, remember, they represented his enemy's safety. The gates represented security. He was taunting his enemy. Anyway, I digress. So he had incredible strength. So you're saying, Nick, this is fascinating. These are fascinating facts. How does this relate to me? And I think it really does relate to us because we too have been set apart. When I read my Bible, when I pray, I know that I'm, I'm a child of God. I've been set apart. It says it throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It says that I'm God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which have been prepared in advance for me to do, which Christ Jesus has prepared in advance for me to do. It says I'm set apart. Another word for set apart is holy. Be holy for I am holy. We've all, when we've become children of God, we've all got this amazing God-given potential to be a blessing, to make a difference in this world, to bind up the enemy, to destroy the works of the enemy, to reveal his character and nature to this world, to bring heaven, um, to bring heaven, um, the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So, that's the good bit. Another similarity, unfortunately, that we have with Samson is that we too have weaknesses. This passage that we read um, dwelt on one of them, uh, his lust. Um, if you read before, you'll see he was also he was very much a man driven by his emotions, uh, driven by lust, pride, anger. Um, so my question to you, what is it that leads you astray from God? What is it that, what's your weakness? Because another thing that we share with Samson is that we too have an enemy. In Samson's case, you know, there's a very physical presence of the Philistines. These were the enemies of the Israelites. There's also that, that supernatural enemy that he had. The devil has been there from, from you know, very early on. Um, but we too have an enemy. Do we know that though? Do we live? Are we aware of that? Um, because my Bible tells me that the devil is real uh, and that he is a murderer. He's the father of lies. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That he goes about like a roaring lion waiting to devour. You know. So this, this is a, another reality that we have with Samson. Another uh, thing that we share with Samson is that Samson's enemy knew his weakness. So in this passage that we read, it's a very tragic passage, we read about his lust. His weakness was women. If you read about Samson, three women are mentioned, um, relationships he has, as it were. Um, very interesting. All were Philistine women. Under the commands of God, the Israelites will have nothing to do 
with, with foreign women, because of foreign gods. God knew that they would lead, um, lead the Israelites astray. But Samson had this weakness, this lust, and the enemy knew it. And so they come to Delilah, and they say, find out for us what's the secret behind his great strength. So, it applies to us too. We all have weaknesses, whether we know it or not. What is yours? I implore you, we need to search our hearts. Like David said, search our heart, Lord. You know, find, you know, we need to know. Because if we don't know our weaknesses, we can't deal with it. If we can't define it, you can't do anything about it. I don't say do about it in your own strength. We need to submit our weaknesses to God. So the question is, what is your weakness? What is leading you astray from God? Now, unfortunately for Samson, he never dealt with his weaknesses. He never came to God with it. Um, it's almost as if he assumed his disobedience would never catch up with him. He justified it. He rationalized it. Um, again, do we do that? Have we become comfortable with our own sin, the things that lead us astray from God, that separate us from his, his glory? And in verse 20, we read of, this is chapter 16, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit. In verse 20, we read this very tragic statement. Um, this is now the fourth time that Delilah's tried, sorry for the interference, fourth time that Delilah's um, tried to trick him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Such a tragic statement. He was so, almost, conscience so seared, so enslaved by his sin, he was not even aware that God's presence had left him. God's strength had left him. And the thing is, Samson just didn't wake up one day and fall into this predicament. This was something that was a pattern. This something that he'd stepped into continually and again. Again, I implore you this week, read uh, these chapters from chapter 13 about Samson's life, and you'll see that his weakness, his lust, was something that was, was there from, from very early on. It, it says how he, he saw a Philistine woman that he fancied, and he told his, his mum and dad to get her for, to be his wife. And they, they knew God's command, as did Samson, that he wasn't to have a foreign wife. But he, he, he was so full of pride that he said, look, I can, I can handle this. Again, the next encounter we see of a woman is again another Philistine woman, this time a prostitute in Gaza. I mean, Gaza was the capital of the Philistines. It was, this was their HQ. This is 25 miles, probably, from his hometown. So Samson didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, today I'm going to destroy my life. I'm going to make sure I get captured by the enemy, bound up, have my eyes gouged out, get treated like an animal, ridiculed and mocked. It was something that he stepped into. It, it, was, it was something that occurred over a number of years. And if you read about, if you read about Samson, you discover that he ruled as a judge over the Israelites for 20 years. So for 20 years... He lived a life that actually brought blessing to people, to blessing to his nation. And yet, the same old sin that he never dealt with came back and bit him. And we see in this passage with Delilah that 
he'd become very blasé with it. He'd all, he, was all, he was playing with fire. It almost became a game. Um, just on a side note, because it's quite funny in a tragic kind of way, if there's anything you, you take from this message today, please don't take that message about how um, his wife, nag, uh, how Delilah nagged him day after day till he was tired from death. So men, probably not a good idea when your wife asks you, what did you learn today in the sermon? They'll say, well, I just learned, I'm just like Samson because he just got nagged and nagged to death. So not a word to meditate on, chew over, to regurgitate, probably leave it where it is, best left alone. I completely digress, completely lost the trail of thought now. But anyway, um, there's probably one similarity that some people in here, if they're brave enough, might recognize. Anyway, but my point is, he, he, just, he didn't just wake up and think, I'm going to do this. This was, this was something that he had continually walked in, and he never dealt with it. And the end result was tragic. Is there anything that we have justified, any sin that we have justified, um, that we've become comfortable with? Because we need to deal with it, because the consequences are serious. So... Let's look at James 4, verses 7 to 10. And this will give us a bit of a clue uh-oh, of how we can do it. Sorry. If I was in my small group study right now, I would get out this by saying, anyone who gets there first, please read it for me. Anyone got this verse so far? James 4, verse 7 to 10. Right. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it goes on, grieve, mourn and well, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gleam. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Another passage, Matthew 5, where Jesus talks. He's talking about adultery, talking to the Pharisees, but he's talking to all of us. Again, just showing the, the serious, seriousness of sin. I'm quick on this. So, Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus isn't saying literally do these things, but what he is saying is that we need to take sin seriously. We need to deal with it immediately. Samson, as I've already said, he didn't deal with his weakness. You know, the things that was leading him astray from God, he never dealt with. And 20 years later, it came to bite him. He played with fire and he got burnt. He got hurt. 
He got hurt and his family were hurt. Those who loved ones were hurt. This is the power of sin. We need to be aware of this. We need to be aware that there is a devil who wants to take us out, who wants to bound us, to enslave us. He wants to make us spiritually blind so we do not do the things that God has called us to do. But fortunately, the story does not end there. And whilst that statement I read was very tragic, a few verses later, we have one which is just full of hope and God's grace. And again, this is back into Judges 16. And from memory, it's verse 22. But bear with me, I'm very old school. I need to get a, a PA. But anyway. Um, so... Verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. To me, it, it, it seems like a, almost like a throwaway line, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. To me, this statement is so full of God's grace. We may feel down and completely out. We may feel completely enslaved and trapped, but there is hope. There is hope, and this statement is full of it. There is good news. So, let's read what, what happened. So, in verse 23, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. I'll continue on to verse 25. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. This is the key bit. I mean, I mean it doesn't get any worse, really, for Samson. He is, he's being ridiculed, mocked, his eyes gouged out. This seems like the very end. But how does Samson respond? Does he become remorseful? Or does he do something else? He does something else. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more. Instead of being remorseful, Samson became repentant. And to repent literally means to, to, to turn back. It's like doing a three, completely turn back on yourself, turning away from the things that separate you from God, turning away from sin. And it does a second thing, it's turning towards something or someone. It's turning up. It literally means to turn back and up. It's turning towards God. Samson, in his deepest need, he cried out to God and he found out that God was always there with him. This is amazing news. This should fill us with great hope. But we need to repent. And that's why, again, I say we need to ask God, what is it that is leading us astray from him? Whose voices are we being led by? Are we being led by God? Are we being led by spirit? Or are we being led by the flesh? Who or what are we aligning ourselves to? Samson allied himself to the enemy. He played with fire. 
he got burnt. Let us learn from his mistakes. And finally, there are some of you here who may feel bound, subdued, enslaved. But I'm here to tell you that there is hope, and that hope is Jesus. Samson came to God shackled. He came to God broken. He came to God blind. But when he turned to God, God was there. God is there for you too. You just need to invite him in. And that's all I have to say. In the name of Jesus. Amen.